Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Welcome to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars, the first full week of 2023, fresh off out of the Sponsor Summit this past weekend, the Georgia Bulldogs National Championship, more tragedy in the drag racing world, and well, somebody might be a billionaire later on this week. How about that Powerball? Mega millions, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, it's more money than I got. But hey, two special guests this week. We'll get right to it right after this. This week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars has stop me if you've ever heard of this guy before. What's up, West Coast Cam? What's going on? Happy New Year. I like the fact that I'm I'm still considered a guest. You know, I, I am partial owner of this, but, you know, a lot, from time to time, I do like to come on and make sure Don's, you know, we're keeping him on the rails, if you know what I'm saying. So, I, you know, I heard a couple of rumors that you weren't. So I had to come on here and like play Big Papa and, you know, make sure that you're you're back on track. So make what's sure up? I'm, I'll make sure I'm on the rails. I punched the time clock. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, see, he starts drinking. It's after five, and you know, next thing you know, we got this crazy ass podcast going on. And you know, but hey, I'm right behind him. I'm a raging father, and uh, yeah, drinking a happy dad at the moment. It's my first time I've ever had one, but yeah. So what's up? How's it going? Happy 2023. How's life? How's the kids? How's how's things? How's You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting over here going, holy cow. I mean, the wife and jet on the big screen at Supercross this past weekend, I saw some social media traffic out of that. I mean, what the heck, dude? (laughs) Yeah, man. Things are uh, rapidly going pretty wild for us in the whole social media world. It's, it's starting to really take off and which is kind of crazy to me that people are that interested in, I guess, in our lives and um but yeah it's pretty cool we just got picked up by flow sports or flow drag racing or whatever you want to call it which flow division racing flow no, racing flow <laughs> racing i mean that's what i'm saying that's why i said whatever you want to call it there's like many uh, different uh, avenues yes. of that um <clears throat> i didn't know if i was supposed to say flow drag racing or flow racing but i'm gonna go with flow racing because our family is a multi-tiered racing family but yeah, uh, big thanks to Courtney and uh, all them over at Flow to you know they they picked up our show and they're they're gonna start uh, bringing us into their their little world and that's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, just living the dad life, social media life. I mean, sure, you guys have all kind of seen quite a bit of what's going on in our world. We're trying to to keep it weekly as far as. Uh, what we got going on sometimes it gets a little tough because you know that's the weirdest part about all of this so it's like me and angie we talk and we're like man what are we gonna film this week like you know isn't it weird that like you have to sit there and you think like man like what are we doing this week like and then you think like nobody gives a crap like that we're 
going to the motocross track or, oh, we're going to supercross or, oh, we're working on the dragster. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess actually people do because they're subscribing. So cool. We're going to keep doing it. So apologies if you guys hate it. The best part about uh, YouTube and all this social media stuff, if you don't like it and if you don't aren't really interested, you don't have to watch it, which is great. Um, but if you do, um, tell, tell a friend, tell them to check it out and, you know, they can see the craziness that uh, is the Furry family. And yeah, we appreciate all the subscribes, likes, comments, and all that YouTube stuff. Um, I'm learning quite a bit as I go, but it's been quite the quite the little fun time. And it's pretty awesome that it helps that both of my kids are, and my wife are pretty talented. So um, makes it a little easier for for content when I get uh, content blocked as in that you're going to see on uh, this week's episode. Um, Jet got a little squirrely at the motocross track on Sunday and uh, decided to use another rider as the jump and drove over his back and launched off of a jump. But it wasn't actually his fault. You'll see in the video, but it wasn't his fault. The kid, there was more to the story. The kid was a, a handicapped child and he decided to stop on the track and lay on the track in the middle of jet being full throttle and jet wasn't able to stop in time. And he romped him over. They had never been to the track before. And it was, you'll see it was a whole thing, but anyway, they're, they were both fine. They're all good. Everything was, everything was good at the end of the day. So that's why we feel like we can air it. <laughs> but It was, it was sketchy for like 0.5 seconds. I was like, Oh my God, jet's dead. This poor are kid's dead. Are we, are we all in trouble? So, I was going to say, did we get the release of a limited liability signed prior to yeah, airing, right? Dude, I know. Need, need the know. waiver signed. Yeah, but I'll but, tell you the monetization and like all the all the youtube stuff that, that goes on, like it, it's pretty cool when you actually start like getting some fruit from your work, I guess, to say. Well, well I mean, you know, we sit and we talk and we chat and everybody talks about this talks about that the thing about it is is that you know you don't think about how many people are interested in this or listening to this but then again we're to the point where man a lot of us are turning the tv off and not listening to that because it's just it's the same well you know it's crazy like you're you're 100 right like i i'll be the first one to admit i don't we don't have cable at the house we have the Apple TV and sure we have a couple apps here and there and like watch a couple like Netflix and Disney plus, you know, whatever. Steal my parents direct TV login every now and again, if there's something I need to watch. But <laughs> uh, other than that, like we watch YouTube, like we watch other people's vlogs and we like jet watches monster jam. And like, we're not like a big, like cartoons and like sitcoms family. So like, I get how people can be interested in people's stories and in lives because it's relatable. Like it's like at the end of the day, you're your own production company. And that's what I'm learning pretty quickly. Like you're in control of your content. You're in control of your destiny and just put it out there. If somebody doesn't like it, they're not going to watch it. Fine. Then you'll move well, on to the next one. Well, and that's true. And, and, you know, we actually, uh, Alex, you know, our buddy, Alex Tryler and I had a conversation about, the being authentic and not being fake or over the top polished on your content, you know, be 
exactly who you are uh, because your content, who you are, your morals, your values are going to live on forever outside when you start putting out the video content and so forth. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily the real or, or what you post. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, people are going to be interested in what uh, two young parents are doing with their kids when it comes to, to motorsports and, you know, are you teaching them and how are they acting? How are they responding? Things like that are going to matter uh, because there's oh, a yeah. lot more people out there that have kids. So, oh yeah. You know. It was funny. We, we posted a reel the other day and that um, was like, I think I, the call, the caption was like, how's daddy daycare going? And I just had like, I had jet jumping his bike, Blair on her bike, jet doing donuts in his go-kart. My nephew was over my sit. Like there was like controlled motorized wheel chaos. <laughs> and all my neighbors are like driving by going like, Oh my God, I can't believe you let your kids do all that stuff. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to let them if they're going to. And then right, right then is like, people are like looking at you weird. Like we didn't post it, but my nephew, like he just got a go-kart like jets for Christmas and he whips around and plows into one of the jumps that Blair's was standing, Blair was standing on and like took it out and she wrecks and she's just like <laughs> everything volcano erupts. And yeah, but it's like, you know what? I don't know if you've seen that 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 real clip that's going around on Instagram or all these things. And it's like this guy that's talking about how if you teach your children to do dangerous things safely, like they're gonna do much better and like they learn a lot more and like all this stuff. And they're hundred percent right. Like, dude, throwing my kid out on motocross track and he's four years old and he's going way too fast and he should be for his own good but he's good at it, right? He learns to be good. He learns. And then Blair, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, your daughter's not even two years old yet. And she's, she's riding the strider bike and she's doing this and that. And I'm like, hell yes, they are. It's what they want to do. I'm going to let them do it. I mean, I'm going to make sure they do it safely and all the protective gear and the, you know, what, what is required of them, but I'm not going to sit there and tell my child, my, my parents never told, told me, no, I mean, I'm, still here and breathing i guess <laughs> so debatable uh, yeah i mean i'm really really busy but yeah sometimes i feel like i'm still breathing <laughs> but anybody well, knows that had doesn't have children like two children right. is a lot a lot i was laughing i, I told you before we started i had a one of our vlog episodes, we, <laughs> I was talking to Jed, I think in one of them. And one of my buddies was like, dude, the best part about your vlog was just, you were talking with Angie or Jed, or I, I don't even remember the episode, but they're like, and Blair was just effing losing it in the background, just like screaming bloody murder, going nuts. And you guys aired it. And I'm like, well, yeah, cause it was really happening. And that's what people want to see, I guess. So Give the people what they want. All right. So tell our new listeners that may not know what's, what is the YouTube channel? You can log on to YouTube and search for motorsports. And that is our channel, which is just for motorsports, uh, AKA a racing family or house on wheels. Um, it's all things motorsports. You know, my wife races super comp for those that don't know. I 
sometimes drive top fuel or strive to drive top fuel, top fuel dragster. And my four-year-old son races motocross and my almost two-year-old daughter is probably going to be a, be a force to be reckoned with in anything she gets in with wheels, but, um, she's pretty into her strider bike right now. So we're going to, we're going to the next strider bike race. She'll be into that. So she'll be doing that. And yeah. So anything with, we got, we got go-karts, dirt bikes, mini bikes, dragster, you know, anything with wheels, we probably have it in our garage and that's what we do. We go crazy on the daily. Check it out for a motorsports. And there you go, listeners. That'll give you your next avenue channel for entertainment content like no other. Unless yeah, if you just want to see a dumpster, like we talk about Don's dumpster fires all the time on racers and rental cars. But if you want to see the beret dumpster fire, that's F-E-R-R-E Motorsports on YouTube. And it's quite the shit show. There you go. We just kicked off 2023 and I've already lost our rating. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Yeah. All no, right. I'm, I got to say, I'm very proud of Don. And I, I, I apologize to all the listeners that have kind of, I mean, I know Don kind of filled everyone in, but why I'm not on the show much anymore. And I'm still a big part of it as much as I can. And it's just, it's not because of the, the YouTube stuff, but it's because. I just being a dad and a college professor and a race car driver and all these things, it's just our timelines don't really line up. And Don being in Indiana, I'm in California. Sometimes it's just kind of tough for us to, to make it happen, but I'm going to do my best and I'm going to strive. That's one of my 2023 goals is to get back on here and to, to help Don out with the show. And because I, I want to see it succeed and I want to see it continue. And he's been doing a phenomenal job not to toot his own little horn beep beep over there for, for Don, but uh, he's been doing a great job, uh, you know, kind of going at it solo and having a lot of guests on and stuff. And and I appreciate that. So publicly, thank you, Don, for uh, keeping like Motel 6, keeping the light on for racers and rental cars. Hey, how about that? As I give my congratulatory handshake. Because we all know I don't leave the top light on at least. Uh, takes you a little bit. uh well so let's talk let's get into it real quick because today's guest long interview long interview later on so did you even watch the championship football game do you even know about the foosball did you watch the foosball last night or not this football you speak of what is that never mind i honestly there's somebody from a team from texas played and georgia right (laughs) Yes. Am yes. I right? Okay. <laughs> TCU, yeah. the Horn Frogs, and yeah, yeah. the Georgia Bulldogs. So yeah, I yes. could go run across the street and grab my parent, my mom. She's like big football nerd, and okay, I get the cliff notes from her. But you can fill me in quicker. No, um, not. And I know just, you're like that's kind of your area, Georgia. I'm assuming you is you voted for Georgia or rooted yeah, for Georgia, whatever you yeah. do in football. Yeah. Yes. Did yes. They win? Yes. I. Yes. Georgia won. They routed the Horn Frog. But nonetheless, just want to give a big congratulations to all our Georgia Bulldog fans that tune in and listen. I know there's a couple little polls going on out there. I got my votes in on the double O shit show. So it was cool. Georgia. Well, the only thing I do know about that game is Kabilis and had Blake Alexander as his assistant. I saw that. 
Other than yes, that, that was a, yep, that's all I got. I, yeah, me and Mark, we're gonna talk later on this year because I got to figure out how to be his assistant for one of these football games, these national championship games, so I can go to it. <laughs> but so, congratulations to Georgia, and as, just as you got to have a high, eventually, as all things come with low. So, Cam, I was wondering, and we didn't get to talk about this off air. So, did you have any circle knowledge of Sam Fennick down in Australia this past weekend and his horrific crash and passing? You know what? I did hear about that um, because I I follow a lot of the Australian stuff because I've raced down there. Um, and I've been meaning to text Phil Lamatina about it and talk to him about it because that's the team I drove for down there. And obviously he's very in the know. Um, he's one of the main guys for their version. I think it's Burzen Auto Parts, Burzen Auto Parts uh, top fuel series that races with them. From what I know, I I don't think I met him when I was down there, but from what I've read and seen, and he was he was like a big player in the they call it door slammer down there, uh, which is like their pro mod like a big player in that world. And I, it just breaks my heart. I saw a clip of the wreck, which I didn't want. It looked pretty violent. And um, it, it just breaks my heart because every photo that I've seen of him, he has this big old smile and everything that I've seen. Cause I have a lot of friends on like Facebook and social media. They're from Australia and my heart goes out to all of them and him, you know, his family and, and all that. And, I offer my sincere condolences because from what it sounds like, he was an amazing dude and it just sucks to see, you know, like when you, when things like this happen and you know, he's doing what he loves, right? I mean, down there, I'm sure he wasn't doing it for a living and it's just, it was his outlet. It was his fun. It was what he loved to do. And, you know, unfortunately he lost his life. Um, to it and i mean a lot of people say they want to they want to go doing what they love and you know i understand that and i get that but then also you know you leave behind a family and uh, you know friends family and extended family and things like that and nobody wants to see anybody lose their life doing what they love and uh, or in general and especially i heard that he hit a television boom which is what was kind of the deem of the accent, which just kind of makes me a little suspect of where it was or whatever, because I mean, that's not the first time I've somebody's lost their life through that in drag racing. We'll just leave it at that, but that totally sucks. Yeah. It was a tough deal. Uh, you know, getting the text messages from a couple guys from that, uh, obviously followed the Australian series. And then finally, uh, I guess it was probably uh half half day later, maybe 12, 16 hours later. Yeah. I uh, was able to see a couple of the clips and man, you just, it, it was, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, prayers and condolences to our, our friends down in Australia, uh, you know, for, for the world championships, Phil, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just we got to have a, a low. I got to bring it back up. We got to get back into a high, make you laugh, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, right. But uh, but no, so one thing before we gotta go, just in just to let it be a little bit of a rant, 
So, Cam, we talked off air about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and some of the other NASCAR racers and Justin Marks buying the Cars Late Model Series Cars Tour, mm-hmm. um, making that announcement uh, this week. In in a couple of the the soundbite clips was Kevin Harvick talking and, and making reference and and some of the other ownership in it about the future of the sport, keeping a series going in which racers can grow and develop. Um, and that kind of hit with me today because I, I was listening to a little bit of the chili bowl and a, uh, <laughs> there, there was some, you know, whatever back and forth about the chili bowl this week, because Kyle Larson, Christopher bell aren't racing there this year. I think it's like the first time in like the last three years, but there was uh, one of the announcers made a comment about a whole lot of drivers, but not a lot of talent. And wow. it got me to thinking today, sitting in the airport, that you know, I wonder sometimes if we're not if we're not getting enough opportunities, or we're going to have the potential to have these issues in the drag racing world. Right? It seems to be if it comes to turning left we have all types of different avenues and markets uh, and opportunities for people to come in and get involved in racing and grow and develop but it's something about the drag racing world itself that we just are very limited when it comes to financial team owners the uh, driver development programs we just do not have these in the drag racing world. And so I, I'm going to, because, you know, who knows? It might be another uh, shooting star, galaxy falling, full moon before I get you back on here. Get uh, out of town, uh, bro. But but I want but I want to know, if, does Cameron Foray, because now you're over here, you're, you're, you're watching your kids develop. And with opportunities and, and there's pass, what is Cameron Foray? What would be the fix in the drag racing world? Where you know you're you're over there right now. We got you know we're talking like I said, gave you all these options about turning left. Now you're over there with your kids. You're going up and down jumps and around the dirt track. Got options over there on motocross. What is it about drag racing? What, where is it that we can figure something out? Dude, I think about this a lot because I've been branching out a little bit more with my son and, and, uh, it's, it's rough because we went to Supercross on Saturday and it was sold out. They sold out angel stadium probably holds 50 ish thousand people. And it was cold and it it sold out. There's just freaking people everywhere. I don't know if it's because motors motocross or motorcycles are more relatable to people because they're more attainable because like we go, I mean, obviously this winter because there hasn't been any drag races. I've been at the motocross track at least once or twice a week with, with jet it's popping always, always. And I don't know if it's because a lot more people are able to afford you know, they could buy a $1,500 dirt bike and go romp, rip around. Uh, is it because drag racing isn't 
not that people don't see it as attainable, but like they maybe see it as a fantasy world. Like, oh, well, yeah, top field dragster, funny car, whatever, pro stock. Like, that's all cool, but I don't have $5 million to go run one. Like, I, I don't like, I don't know. Like, what do we do to fix that? I, I don't know. I, and that's, that's kind of a hard thing for me to talk about, to be honest with you, because it, it kind of really hits home for me because I, I'm, I'm a guy that has given my whole life to the sport of drag racing in hopes to, to be a professional driver. And I mean, yes, I am a professional driver, but I'm not a, a touring pro. I mean, I do a handful of races a year. I wish that I was on the full tour, the 20, was it 22 races this year? 21. Uh, but I don't do them because I don't have the financial wherewithal to do that. And, and I think that's, that's maybe a problem. I don't know. Did you read the article about Susan Wade that she wrote about the five, the wishes NHRA needs? And she, it's no. a really good off to send it to you. It's really good. Um, a lot of people were kind of like, oh, well, this is, was written by an insider and, you know, like things that you, they're asking for, you know, like camping world needs to have more, you know, activation it has needs to have more things going on for drivers. Sure. They're sponsoring it, but they need to bring it more to light. They need to have these drivers that in a trainees to sell, not sell, but like promote the behind the, you know, like, like we have a YouTube channel, like, Clay Milliken has an amazing YouTube channel. Like he has a huge following. Leah has a huge following. Like a handful of these drivers, like, you know, Alex, he's got a good following, like, but they don't promote it because they're worried that Alex might get five bucks or Leah might get five bucks that NHRA doesn't. And I, I think that that's, that's a big problem when you have all these other sports, NASCAR, Supercross, they're promoting their drivers. They're promoting them as the sport we don't do that and there's only there's very few young i consider i'm 37 but i consider myself one of the younger people in the pro <clears throat> right in the pro <throat> arena in comparison to john force the guy's like 74 years old right sure he's john force but like dude not many people can really relate to a 74 year old guy i mean let's be honest it's it's like the girl thing like we have a bunch of girls they 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 promote that but they don't really like so i feel like there's uh, a lot of this things you take a step back and everybody i mean, i think we've talked about this until the cows come home but mm-hmm. we everybody needs to take a step back and work together not against each other and i see that a lot more now right because i've been so much more in the motocross world and i hate to say that but there's so many opportunities in the motocross world. It's insane. Like if you look up the the tags and all these things, like on there's millions of people that have ha- used that hashtag or what like moto or what like whatever it is versus drag racing. There's like forty thousand. Well, why yep. is that? Well, why doesn't NHRA work with Street Outlaws? I mean, obviously, I mean that might have plateaued already. That's kind of but it's still big. It's on still on TV. Like people are into it. Like, I mean, they keep renewing it. So they're, they're in Australia. Yeah. So obviously they're, they're still making money on it. So it's still sustaining oh, itself. Yeah. yeah. Like, but there, that's going to have a shelf life as well. But what do you do to continue to, 
Like, I just, I don't know, man. I, I look at the, I, every year I go to Supercross and I watch the opening ceremonies at Supercross. They invest money. They have fireworks. They got laser lights. They got intro videos for all these personalities. They look at each rider as a personality. I mean, dude, you could not even make the, I always talk about this. You can not even make the freaking main event, right? I mean, say there's 40, 42 guys trying to qualify for the main event. You could be a middle of the road, Joe Schmo privateer. You could be Cameron Foray, drag racer of like, of the supercross world. Like, and I say that as in like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like I'm, but I'm not right. E- Eli Tomac factory, or yeah, I'm not yeah, a factory, factory guy, factory yep. Yamaha, right? Making bazillions of dollars. But dude, these people are making a living and you, you go look them up. You look up some random guy, like on the qualifying sheet, guys got 40,000 followers on Instagram. So the guy's probably making more money on Instagram because he's monetized on his reels and all this stuff. than he is risking his life jumping these jumps. Like that's, I feel like that's the, the disconnect. And then you look at, I mean, I don't know if you, you don't follow motocross, but you kind of do, but they, they merge the outdoors and supercross together. Now it's this one championship It's 31 rounds. They call it the super motocross world, but they're bringing a lot of the, they're going to the Coliseum again in LA. They're going to they're Charlotte, going to Charlotte. Yes. They're going Chicago. to Chicago. Like they're using all these. They're like, well, shit. NASCAR and drag racing ain't going to use these facilities. We might as well. They got the stands. We can hold the people. So let's do it. Good for them. But like, I, I don't know. There's like I said, I, I'm not to get on my soapbox here, but like they, there's a lot of bigger problems here than, than can be fixed in one 20 minute episode here. But I, I, at the end of the day, I think everybody needs to take a step back and we always talk about it. Everybody needs to work together, not against each other. We all love drag racing. I, I wish more than you guys know that I was out there every weekend racing a fuel car, but the opportunities are just not there because I hate to say it, but drag racing has kind of turned into the, well, if you have a little bit of money, you can just buy your ride. Motocross isn't really like that because you have to have some sort of talent to be, you got to be able to ride, right? NASCAR got to be able to drive, got to be able to drive like, and I'm not taking away from drag racing by any means, as far as the fact that you, I mean, you're just holding on, but sometimes well, it's, it's uh no, it's, you know, it's not just holding on because in, and from that aspect is that, you know, we don't have, we don't have the OEMs involved in the driver development side. Hundred percent. Yeah, F1 I agree. Doing their deal with Andretti, making that announcement last week. I think yep. that's huge. You can't have um, a series uh, and not have a feeder series. I personally think this is. I've always said this. I don't think you should be able to step foot in a top fuel car or a funny car until you've raced an alcohol car or an a fuel car for at least two years, and that's on a safety aspect, and that's on a a learning drag racing like how many people out there there's a lot of them and no nothing against them they had the financial means to to go racing and they just decided to go race top fuel they never even sat in a car before so you mean to tell me the guy that's never driven down the drag strip is going to go step foot in a 330 mile an hour race car and that's okay and they don't really even know what staging is or they don't know the distance between the 
the the staging beams and they don't know where where the, how many cones are on the on the track or all these things that like you should probably know if you're going to be a professional right i mean if you're i mean if you drive top fuel you're considered a here we go quote unquote professional well and that's the the deal with that is you know nascar has changed changed their policies in regards to licensing and being signed off to move up the series ranks and and so forth and i i don't know it just it just hit me and like, and like i said we're never gonna we're never gonna solve it you know in a in a like you said in a 20 minute clip or because i don't think nhra is willing to to take somebody that has a financial means to go race top fuel right they're like oh well they're they don't look at it as a, a future thing they look at it as a now like oh my gosh we need car count we need we need this we need that so that's a guaranteed car they're gonna versus hey if you're interested in drag race, like look at prime example look at certain people that have been in the sport they come in they're in for three to five years gone and they're out never heard of them again i've been trying to drag race for 26 years now i don't really see myself going anywhere i'm going to continue to try but like i mean sure people run out of money like things happen like i'm not saying like, oh, yeah no but sure. like if you look at it like i mean the same thing probably happens in nascar but you have to you have to commit a little bit long if you want to drive the full-on oh no i mean whatever take- you got to start at the bottom. Well, and you know, that, that was something that, you know, hopefully in the upcoming weeks, you know, foreshadowing, we'll have some guests on here that, that we can get a little bit more insight, uh, insider information onto that, because there are, there are well-funded, you know, USAC sprint teams, world of outlaw teams, uh, cars that go to the chili bowl that we just talked about you know, this dirt track, if you will, uh, outlaw limited late models and so forth. There's some of these teams that are out there competing for, for multiple weeks in a row. Their funding is like trying to run an NHRA fuel team or pro stock team, you know, and and, And and the opportunities seem to be huge. Now I say that to get to this point, is the reason why we struggle with the growing opportunities in the professional level and ranks of drag racing is a challenge for that because we don't have the facilities or the number of facilities around the country to compete in like we do for World of Outlaw Cars, USAC Sprints wing sprints is it because we've got more motocross tracks that can be built in in the secondary and primary major markets is the world of outlaw series as it travels the country uh hits more of the markets that impact the sales and drive the force is it because we have more opportunities in turning left than we do in going straight I agree on the more opportunities part, but I don't necessarily know, agree with if it's, you know, the tracks, right? I mean, yeah, I live in California. They close the shit. The closest track to me is Vegas anymore, right? I mean, well, Bakersfield, but they don't really, they run, they actually just started racing in divisional. Thank you, Bakersfield. But 
I don't necessarily know if it's that. I mean, we have Irwindale, but I mean, yeah, there's a handful of motocross tracks around here, but I think it, like there's more, you talk about driver development things. There's way more driver development opportunities out there in these different, like you can turn left, you can turn right. You can do all these things. There's road race circle. Tra- there's, when you talk about anything outside of drag racing, yeah, there is more opportunity because there's dirt track, road race, circle track, asphalt, circle track, dirt, circle track, whatever there's sprint cars. There's, I mean, there's a lot of other avenues that you can make a living at, but like you said, you brought in the driver development thing. Well, if you can drive a sprint car, you could probably, you know, do pretty good in a asphalt late model or whatever. Right. So they're helping fund a lot of these lower tiered opportunities. We don't have that. People say we have driver development opportunities in drag racing. I'm here to tell you that um, I've been part of one of those quote unquote driver opportunities or driver development opportunities. You know what it was? How much money do you have? And I'm like, well, well wait a minute. Isn't like it, when you sign a development deal, doesn't that mean you're going to help you? You see something in me and you like, like want me to drive for you guys. Well, yeah, but what are you going to give us? That's all like, they're just trying to lock you down to where if you get, some sort of funding it has to go to x team and versus i feel like i'm sure there's a little bit of that in in other sports too but like i feel like more it's a little bit different in rotary circle track or whatever than like they're saying hey we're investing in this person we're gonna actually put money up to help them did you do you see anybody in drag racing saying hey you know any of the big three or four saying hey this this driver is pretty awesome we're going to put him in an alcohol car for two years and see how he does and then we're going to put him in a in a fuel car neck in the next in three years when was the last time you saw that the only time you saw that that i can recall offhand was brandon bernstein with budweiser yeah, yeah. well and he and, and the force girls but like i mean that's yeah. no other well, than that and, and, when do you see that well and that's so you know during which I didn't have a big, long, drawn-out PRI episode. But, you know, listening to Tony Stewart talk at PRI about where he got his start to where he is now and how many different owners he drove for in a very short period of time. Yeah. And, you know, in in the, you know, as far as the Triple Crowns go and the USAC Sprints, and he's talked about driving the same car, that uh, I believe he said Jeff Gordon drove, drove for that same owner. It just, just a lot of spirals out of there of trying to find where we have an opportunity to kind of correct that or try to assist it and help it. And it just, uh, it was just curious. I just, you know, trying to thought maybe, maybe you might've had uh, an epiphany while you were out there catching some dirt in your teeth from your kid. And <laughs> dude, I wish, and, man, and, I, and I so, wish. Cause I think about it a lot as you know, cause there, I want nothing more to be one of those people out there doing it, uh, you know, on a full-time basis and it ain't easy. And then even in the boardroom, I, I hate to say it. I, I, I live it all the time. Oh, you need sponsorship for your son. Yeah, of course. Oh, you want to, you need sponsorship for, for uh, a top field dragster. Yeah. We don't work with NHRA. Well, what, what does that tell you on this episode, on this next episode of uh, racers and rental cars? <laughs> well, 
You know, it's it's something. And for those of you listeners that are out there, I'd love to hear your feedback ideas. This is just another one of my rants, just like last week. Go ahead, send the in emails in, send messages. Those of you from last week appreciate your feedback about losing racetracks and so forth across the country and the challenges. Definitely appreciated that feedback from you guys. And with that, Cam, we're going to get into our long-winded, not really, I'm saying that too soon, but get into our guest interview for this week. Next week, folks, you're not going to want to miss who it is. With that being said, Cam, thanks for stopping by, my friend. Always no good problem. I'll try, I'll try to keep it a little more uh, on a regular basis here um, yeah, I mean, as best as I, I can. I'll get you a frequent flyer card so you can get like 10 punches and get your Starbucks coffee for free. There we go. Sounds like a plan. I appreciate Ah. it. And good to see you, Don. And uh, keep up the most excellent work. Well, it is a true privilege for me to be able to talk to somebody who has legitimately known me for the majority of my motorsports racing career when I could not even actually acquire a beverage. But nonetheless, he knows. Jeff Miles coming in from Darlington, South Carolina. Mr. Miles, how are you this evening? Man, I'm absolutely wonderful tonight. How are you? Trying to get through, obviously, uh, you know, the holidays, the hangovers, the um, I'm on holiday break, emails, out of office, and and I'm right there with them because uh, a little over six hours ago, I was in Atlanta in the airport on my way back to the cold, which no jokes at the moment because, you know, I'm supposed to be smarter than this, but I'm not. So here I am in Indiana talking to you while you're in the warmth of Darlington, South Carolina, back right down the road from right down the road from where we first met now earlier off air you just completely and utterly made me feel like an idiot because i did not know that you purchased darlington dragway i what did i know what did i know what did i know i tell you what i knew i knew that your family you came out of the womb and went to work at a racetrack I know that you went to work. Uh, I think you bumped your head when you took this job. Uh, went to work for another entertainment company who will remain nameless. And now you've purchased a racetrack, which I actually grew up around. Got a lot of memories for Darlington Dragway. And uh, I'm trying to figure out why. Why, my friend? Why? Uh, what is that commercial from years ago that said, why asked why? Hey, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's in my blood. What what else would I do? You know, I was a police officer for 10 years and had enough of that and got out of it. Thank goodness. And uh, what else would I do? Now, see, I that is from afar, right? You, you brought up being a police officer. I will tell you that from afar, I thought for sure that was where you were going. I thought, I thought, here it is, Jeff. He was always a politician, always able to keep people nice and calm, could, could you know, uh, could nine times out of ten, could defuse a situation between racers, disagreements, if you will. And 
when you went into that, went into law enforcement, I went, okay, here's, this is where Jeff's going for his next 20 years. This is what he's going to do. He's going to retire. You got, you got daughters, they're growing up and, and so forth. So, you know, I thought, man, this is where he's going. And then up next, next thing I know you're off, you know, off to Memphis, you had a, a stop not too far down the road from where I was just recently. And then now you're here. You are. You're in Darlington. I, I mean, what? How? How, my friend? How? Well, start off with the police deal. I, I absolutely loved that job. Um, I love helping people. And that job had a lot of areas you could help people. And I saw the writing on the wall of, of things to come. And I don't have to discuss all that here, but everybody knows how it is these days. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. And uh, then I went on my tour of Italy, as you like to say. But, yeah, I went on my tour, and uh, and there I ended up in Memphis, of all places. And 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 I, obviously you must have had some sort of strategy, right, some sort of plan. You're not short on your Rolodex uh, of people that are in the motorsports business. So I know that, I know that you probably had – had some voices, had, had you know, and so forth. And you went to Memphis, which it seemed like for a for a minute, <laughs> a Memphis minute, that that racetrack was just damn doomed from the time that it was acquired in all of this purchasing from that entertainment group. I mean, and it, you know, I. I don't know, man. Give me, give me, give me the insight. Now that all the documents have been filed and hell, somebody sent, I think somebody posted a photo last week. I mean, don't they have like, there's like no equipment or anything there and they're using it as a parking lot for, for storage vehicles or something. I, I don't. Well, I got, I, I had a lot of offers for racetracks. I really did. I was very, very blessed with that. And I considered a lot of different options and Memphis came about and I thought, Huge racetrack, NASCAR track, road course, autocross, two drift tracks. Man, I could really turn this place into something if I can go there and, and work some magic. So I accepted the job. They made that entertainment company made the world sound amazing, I shall say. But I got there and, uh, you know, it didn't take long to turn the place around and all that that place needed was someone who cared someone who cared for the racers and treated them with respect and i'm telling you it took off the place was doing great so i put a i put a bid in to buy the place because they had intentions of closing it and uh they told me they were going to close memphis and send me to west palm beach and i was like you know i'm not so i'm not so against west palm beach it's awful nice down there you know, Florida has lots of beautiful women. So, I mean, so anyway, I, uh, that didn't pan out. So I made an offer to buy Memphis and they told me on a Friday, it's yours. You want it. You're the high bidder. We'll do the paperwork Monday, Monday rolled around. They said, I'm sorry, but somebody bid $12 million more than you did over the weekend. And I said, excuse me. Yes. Somebody bid 12 million more than I did. So that, as we all know, was the same people who were trying to purchase Palm Beach at the time. And uh, so I kind of put my feelers out and said, hey, I'm looking for somewhere to go. And 
here comes Russell Miller calling me. And he said, come work for me. I said, Russell, I really want to own my own racetrack again. I don't really want to work for anybody. But if I was going to work for somebody, you would be that person because you're such a great guy. Um, so he said, all right, if you change your mind, let me know. He calls me back a week later. All right, you need to be here this day. You're buying Darlington. I said, sir. He said, you're going to buy Darlington. I was like, what do you mean I'm going to buy Darlington? He said, like I said, be here on this date. I'll send a truck to get your stuff and move it here for you. You're going to buy Darlington. I said, yes, sir. And I moved here, not a clue about what it was going to cost me. Not a thing. I got here. Uh, he had a house waiting on me. We sat down, discussed details, handshake, and went to the attorney Monday morning and did all the paperwork. And here I am. Born under a lucky sign, my friend. Born under a lucky sign. Let me tell you something. If you follow, if you follow the good Lord and you abide by him, he will provide for you at all times. Well, I can't uh I can't disagree for that with that kind of foundational philosophy because uh it definitely has gotten me through uh through some difficult ones without a shadow of a doubt. Now, fast forward that little racetrack. I mean, that's, I, I mean, you and I are both IHRA guys. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I may do a lot of, yep. I may do a lot of NHRA racing, but, but my upbringing was IHRA sitting in the, the old wooden grandstands on the right-hand side of the racetrack at Darlington when Bill Coleman ran 200 miles an hour in 1987 with my dad and I was wrapped up in a blanket and I have never forgotten that facility. Where's where is the facility going? Where is Darlington Dragway going? You know, you you put a memory in my mind when you just said that about standing there with your dad. You know, both of us have something in common. We both lost our dads at a younger age. And uh I remember standing in those same wooden bleachers and uh top fuel went down the racetrack and Shelby, my oldest, was in my wife at the time's stomach, not born yet. And every time top fuel passed, she said she would just move in her belly and shake. And I said, that girl's going to be a drag racer. That's why she's doing that. But anyway, um, that's, those are good memories. Yes, uh, indeed. Where's, where's Darlington going? It's uh, since I purchased it from Russell. Now keep in mind, Russell had Rick Gardner there who done a tremendous job at that place. But, you know, I don't think, Nobody really wanted to get huge with it. You know, they, they were good with having the events they had. They made good money. Russell has another business that is huge, and that's where his time stayed. So he's a big family man as well. His son runs NHRA Pro Mod. His daughter runs 450s. So when I come in there, I said, I want to take this to the next level. So I kind of sped things up a bit in 22, and the schedule for 2023 has – just over 180 race days on the calendar, which is huge. That's not counting the testing we do every day with Pro Mod, Pro Stock, Pro Stock Motorcycle. I mean, it's grudge cars. It's it's crazy. So Darlington is, in five years, Darlington will be to a national event facility. It's there now, but it needs better bleachers on the, it still has some of those wooden bleachers on the, on the right-hand side, we need some new bleachers. We got to do some paving. It'll be a national event facility in five years, and and that's where I want to take it. I I want 
the absolute nicest facility in South Carolina. I want the Norwalk of the South. Well, don't I, and if I know all of our listeners that have heard me mention and Cam talk about Bill Vader and, and Summit Raceway Park and, and so forth, then that's that is the way that works, right? That's family, that's people. It's an entertainment facility, and, and the Baders put on entertaining events because he's the he is the circus. There's no doubt about it. He is he is the ringleader. Now the, now you, I can't agree with you at, to the point of arguing with you about Darlington being ready in the next five years because you you are moving it in that direction. There's like not a way to argue that that strategy or that goal, right? That that hilltop that you're climbing. What I want to argue with you about is what facility, what racing organization, what sanctioning body are is going to have a national event back down in in the South Carolina area when we when we start thinking about history and you and I being IHRA guys, you had Rockingham and you had Darlington and you had Bristol and it was the coastal swing, if you will, there in the South. And now you've recently joined the WDRA talking to, you know, a new drag racing sanctioning body organization. It is that, you know, is this like scratch surface here? Is this, is this where the next five-year plan with, with Don Scott and his leadership team is that is that in the future for them? Or are you are you putting some bubble gum out there on the walls, wondering how long it's going to stick? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that's where WDRA is headed. Uh, WDRA, we have to crawl before we can walk, and right now we're crawling. What's five-year plan for WDRA? I don't know that yet, but I want the facility. So if that happens, I'm the crown jewel of it. And that's that's where I'm headed. That's just my thought process. I, I with Just like with Carolina, when, when my sister and I owned it, I always wanted to have the nicest things we could possibly have within our budget. And I felt like we did that pretty well. You know, we, we treated the racers well. The racers always supported us. And it's the same way at Darlington, just very, very much larger. I, I, you know, I, I would have never dreamed that, a racetrack could do that much more but it does and with wdra man i bleed ihra have my whole life you know i I, anytime those guys called me back in the day and said hey jeff we we need to move this race bring it we we need to move to team fountain bring it i don't care whatever you guys need we'll do and we done it uh when the whole acquisition went down i just my heart just took me elsewhere and, you know, I tried to stay with IHRA and nothing against those guys because they're all working hard to make a great organization over there. My heart just took me to WDRA because I had Johnny O. I had Josh Peach. I had those guys that I've dealt with. Now the other guys aren't there anymore, but those two guys I had always dealt with and they're great to work with. I mean, I, I had a three-way call with Josh and Johnny O today discussing plans for the team finals, which is in February here. But I've just WDRA is going to grow. A lot of people seem to think it's going to going to be a flash in the pan. But I'm telling you, we're here to stay. So that kind of commitment, right? So like, and and we've 
good God, Cam and I played tennis with this all, all the time years back. You know, because we're, you know, we're a podcast. We talk about motorsports marketing on, on all fronts, right? And so, like, you know, here it is. We're recording this on Tuesday. Yesterday afternoon, my phone blew up with the whole deal with Kevin Harvick and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and those guys buying the Cars Tour and buying a late model stock racing organization, right? And these are racers buying an organization to further the growth of circle track drivers. So my, my stance, if you will, is that when, when you start talking to to people that are in the business world of racing that are putting on events, which, which we have to have facilities. Okay. We, you can't, you and I, if, if we don't have young racers and we don't have parents or grandparents or, or, individuals coming into our sport to give us the the new opportunity or the next opportunity you don't have anybody coming through your gate to have an event you don't have anybody standing in line at your concession stand to buy a hot dog and i got nothing over here in the pr and marketing world to do my job that i'm passionate about right and so i'm trying to figure out is doing it the way you're doing it right now you you don't have a loyalty to a national racing organization. You can put on your own events. You can bring in PDRA. You can do WDRA. You can do the Harley drags, right? You can do your own thing from a regional standpoint to continue to grow and make money. Because we both know it's all about money at the end of the day. None of us do Absolutely. Any of this. <laughs> none of us do any of this if we didn't we're not doing it for free. Do you worry? Do you have a concern now that you're a track owner that maybe you don't want to be part of a, a large organization? Maybe your peanut butter and jelly sandwich is pretty damn good with the ingredients that you're using. What what's your what's your future thought process on this? Are you gonna stay this way, even if the quote unquote big show starts to call well in all honesty the big show's already called and uh i didn't say i turned them down you know i i just said not right now i'm not ready for that you know i I don't want to bring and i'll just i don't want to bring nhra in here until i can bring them in the right way you know in the meantime if wdra expands to what we all hope it could I may not ever have to go NHRA. We may be WDRA running a national event, but we're we're grassroots. We're small. Yes, we're a big racetrack. Yes, we have a thousand foot of bleachers on the on the spectator side, but we're still small. And I know that, and I know that in my heart. But you know, I I really want to have the facility in place to make them call me going, please come to us. Not would you like to? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do, you know, in, in I've Cam and I've talked to Tyler, you know, cross known everything that he and, and the Franklin family. And, you know, when we, when we have these conversations with business individuals, when it comes to the operation side of why are you doing it? How are you doing it? Is it being successful? Is it one-sided? It, you know, we, we got to have this passion and drive and, and I just think sometimes having less people 
that you that that in one way, shape, or form feel like you owe them something or you belong to them. I feel like that can always, you know, I mean, that can be a challenge. I mean, it really can. I mean, I remember the days your facility down there in Jackson, you it was nothing for you to have three, three, four hundred IHRA racers in there for a double divisional, you know. And I mean, I know Darlington Dragway can hold hold more than that, you know. And and so uh, we've seen what's been there for Tyler and PDRA races. So uh, economically speaking, as I fast forward and and transition into it, also yesterday, (laughs) golly, the glue prices, your drag strip. I mean, they, they, I don't know. They say, well, what is it? They got no prep, half prep, back half, no prep, uh, uh, walking prep, spraying prep. I mean, what, I mean, dude, are you worried? What, what's, what's the philosophy for that? All right. The first part of that question, um, I want to say this in regards to the big show, you know, if, I look at it like this, going back to the grassroots kind of deal. If I bring in the big show, that's one race a year that it's the huge, it's the most best thing ever. The rest of the year, the local guys kind of get crapped on. You know what I'm saying? So I have to stay with what my loyalty is. And my loyalty is my local crowd that pays my bills week in and week out, not one week in a year. So that's where I'm at right now. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll put that all at the rest. I'm not going to NHRA anytime soon. Because I love my local crowd. <clears throat> Outside of that, the glue, oh my gosh, horrendous. Well, it's not a, and it's not just a drag racing issue, right? I mean, we've talked, we've talked a little bit off air about that. You know, NASCAR's been using glue, you know, for the last couple of years, and so you know that's an issue for them. Now it's drag racing. Um, I, I mean. Is that going to, I mean, obviously that was a bomb dropped on you, right? So like you're adjusting financially, you're forecasting. Does, is that as a track owner, are you telling your racers, guys, traction, it, it ain't going to be radial prep on a regular basis. There might not be that much glue out there. You might need to work on your car and have a little bit more flex in your tuning window. I mean, are, are what what's the track owner What's your wheels? Oh yeah, by the way, you're a drag racer. Pretty good one too. So, uh, so how how does that affect what you're going to be doing with your customers? Well, last year we ordered a truckload of PJ one 30, 32 barrels. It was a thousand forty dollars a drum, I think it was. We as soon as we received it, we ordered another drum, another truckload, and they said it'll be here November. Turned into December. Turned into January. So when January came, they called and said, hey, we got your stuff ready. Okay, good. It's uh, $1,700 a barrel now. And we said, what? Yeah, sorry, we can't honor the price you had last year anymore. That's when I said, no, thank you. You know, we you can't do that. Because at some point, you have to pass that on to the racer, the spectator, the sponsor has to, it's, it all gets passed on, and that's just how business is. So. Yes, um, I actually like PJ1 for radial-type races. So Arizona, which is, his name's Jeff as well, my right-hand guy, we sat down and looked at the calendar and said, these are the races we want PJ1 for, and we're going to order those barrels for that only. And everything else, we're going to, we even developed our own stuff last year with a 
with someone that uh, uh, let's let's call him a redneck because he he he's a very smart person and he helped us develop a little bit of stuff and it actually worked pretty good. Took a little bit of time to dry, but it worked good. So we've been working on it ever since. So uh, will we be okay with glue? Yes. Um, I'm supposed to take a shipment of of LC seven and LC five tomorrow. So you know we're we're gonna race and. I know some of the pro mod racers don't like LC, but you know what? Those prices, man, unless they want to fork out a lot more money, we're going to have to learn to run on it. Well, and, and you know, that's, uh, that was kind of the craze, right? Last, like, let's say late summer, early fall was like, you know, that was the chatter, 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 right? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and I, you know, as racers, right there, there becomes a certain point where as a racer, you, if you're going to choose to do this, you've got to do it with what you're given, right? You go to work every day, the circumstances and the situation, if you don't like them, then you, then for those to change, you have to either quit your job or figure out how to deal with circumstances of the situation. Racers, we just have to do the same thing. If we don't, you know, if we don't have something that'll pull 300 for traction or the NASCAR guys don't, you know, they only get, they only get traction compound in turn one, not turn one and four or one and three or two and four, you know, I mean, we just have to do it right. That's part of racing. Um, <clears throat> what's your forecast? How long do you think it's going to keep going? Right. You're your track owners. You're out there. You're talking with other track owners and in the the industry specialists in that area. What What's your what's your gut tell you? My gut tells me that one company's going to price themselves out of business. You're going to have some people that will still buy it because they have, quote unquote, unlimited budgets. I don't I'm working, man. And, you know, I can have it at select races, but I can't have it every week at that cost. And. And that's going to hurt that company, I would have to say, you know, and let's hope that the other companies don't go, well, look at here, they're charging that, let's go up to, let's hope that doesn't happen because then it just hurts everybody across the board. Right. I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. Okay. Well, tell me, give me some big stuff. Tell our audience, our listeners that are out there, what they need to know, where they need to go social wise. And, uh, you got any got any tidbits? Got any advice? You know, throw it out there. We we got some clamoring individuals that listen to our podcast for knowledge and tidbits. I don't know if I'm one to give advice about anything, but you know, DarlingtonDragway.com, uh, Gary Road RaceWorks.com. He takes care of our website. We've been working on it all day today, getting everything updated to the WDRA stuff and our schedule on it for the year. Um, we have the most aggressive schedule that. I've ever had at any racetrack I've ever been at. We started January 7th and we'll run to the third week of December nonstop. We do not have a weekend closed. And um, we race Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every single week. So we'll see how that goes this year. Uh, pretty aggressive. My employees all stood up and said, we got your back. Let's do it. So here we are. Now, Facebook, obviously Darlington Dragway. Uh, Instagram DD Dragway, and uh, I also have my personal Facebook. Where if you're not on my personal Facebook or don't follow me, I I post something 
nonstop pretty much. And everybody tells me that, but you know what, even if you're talking bad about me, you're talking about me and I'm in your mind. And that's the way I look at those things, you know, a little bit, not, not too bad, obviously, but, um, well, I mean, we got great races coming up. PDRA's here this year. SFG's here this year. Um, the the really big event that I'm looking forward to is the Sean Sarah Memorial, the true Sean Sarah Memorial that Jeff is putting on. I think it's going to be absolutely unreal how big it's going to be. And everybody, including myself, because I'm racing, wants to win that event. And I'm racing because I want to win it. So pretty big deal. It's going to be a great year for us. Well, I know a lot of listeners, they travel, uh, our audience, they're working, they tell us, they listen on the podcast. So hopefully, who knows, maybe you'll get some racers and rental cars listeners that'll swing by Darlington Dragway in Darlington, South Carolina in 2023. And Jeff, I really appreciate you taking some time out talking, busy guy, busy schedule. And uh, let's uh, let's just hope come the end of 2023, we're both still uh, gainfully employed in the crazy world of motorsports. And I have to say, uh, um, next week's guest, I'm I'm honored to be on the same podcast as who you have next week. So that's pretty awesome. I will say that. Oh, somebody <laughs> must. Somebody must. Have don't been don't give it away. Don't give somebody it away. Mu- somebody. All must I'm gonna tell you. Been... All I'm gonna tell you, listeners, are you need to be here next week. I, next week is going to be a uh, a quote unquote barn burner. We've uh, we we've had some discussion. Uh, totally not going to give it away but Mm-mm. you know i said uh i said hey look i said i want next week i want it to be a no gloves let's let's throw it down and uh they said okay and i was like that's what i want to hear so next you're absolutely right next week's guest going to be uh i like i said i hope it's a barn burner i am sure it will be but Jeff, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Talk to anybody that's still hanging around doing this nonsense. As long as I have been, neither one of us have quit yet. So we're either really good at it or really stupid. But neither way, we're going to roll with it. I hope you have a great I, evening. I figure one day I'll get buried at some racetrack somewhere so I can still sit out and watch. You know, I. it's kind of... Uh, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes and, you know, just to get off on a personal tangent with you, you know, like you had mentioned, both of us have had lost our dads at early ages. We both uh, kind of continue, not kind of do continue the same motorsports direction, drug addiction, affiliation infliction. I, I mean, any other adjective that you can use to describe why we continue to do this. And I can't, um, man, I can't tell you how many times I wake up and I go, man, again today. But at the end of the day, the memories, the people, the things that I've been able to accomplish, the places I've been able to go in the world, the people I've been able to meet and, and still carry on to this day, that attachment, if you will, um, you know, I'm sitting here in front of me and I'm looking at, you know, that first big Wally NGK four wide nationals in North Carolina at Z max. And it's, you know, two, two, uh, you know, two weeks before my dad's actual, you know, birthday. And then you turn around and go to Chicago and, and win on his 
you know, on his birthday, you know, or birthday weekend, those things, Jeff, are, are the reason where you find the gas and the gusto to keep going because you just hope that you make it better and leave it better for those that are going to come behind us. That's exactly right. I, my dad died on March 19th and the number's 319. I see nonstop. And I, if, even if I'm doing something, I'm like, man, is this the right thing? And 319 will pop up somewhere. And I'm like, I got you, dad. That's it. That's it. It's the little things in life, my friend. All right, Jeff, before I let you go, I almost forgot. Golly, I almost forgot. I hate it when I do that. Fan favorite on the show. You get to send one Christmas card to anyone in motorsports, dead or alive. Who are you sending it to? IRG. It stands for isn't really good. And it'd be like <laughs> WTF. <laughs> Well, they've never made the list, but they have tonight. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you next trip. Yes, sir. Thank you. 